If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today's guest is Casey Bruce. Now, if you're thinking that Casey Bruce sounds a little bit familiar within racing terms, it's exact same Casey Bruce. Casey was a show rider who dabbled in dressage. She's won numerous championships at Melbourne Royal. She's also ridden at Adelaide Royal and many other wins throughout Australia, particularly as a junior rider. The difference with Casey is that she went from riding show horses and doing some dressage to being a successful jockey, winning on her eighth ride, which itself is quite good, and just travelling around being a jockey. So we're going to talk to her today a little bit about what she took from show horses over to being a jockey and, um, yeah, whatever else comes up in between. How are you, Casey? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, really good, Casey. Good to talk to you today. Well, it's always my pleasure coming out here. I love being involved in these little chats, especially with being involved with horses, anything horsey, and you've got me on target. (laughs) Okay. Casey, we normally start off with a favourite quote. I'm sure you've sort of had a good media profile anyway, but just for people to get to know you who haven't heard of you, who who don't, you know, haven't had had much to do with racing, tell us a favourite quote, something that you like, something that you say all the time, and how it resonates with you. Well, I think to me, you only get out of life what you put in. And that was a big effort for me with racing because um, if you didn't put the effort in, you never got anything back in terms of rides, et cetera. And, and it was a real battle for me for weight. I'm a tall girl. So the effort that I put in to do what I wanted to do in life, um, I got rewarded for in the end. So my, my quote is, you only get out of life what you put in. Okay. And you would have put in a fair bit. Now, how long did you actually ride for? I was just here for 18 years, would you believe? Oh, my gosh. It was a long time when I look back at it now. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, and you are tall. What uh, height are you? So I'm five foot seven, and yep. I only gave the racing licence up in August of this year. So I've okay. been licensed for quite a long time. And I, I feel that I probably could have stayed racing, but at the end of the day, I, um, I've got a daughter now, a little two-year-old, and I just felt that the dangers that were involved in racing were probably not going to be that great with a two-year-old. So mm-hmm. I wanted to... You know, think about maybe starting a different path okay. in the horse industry. All right, good. And we'll talk about that a little bit later about, you know, the what you're doing now. But what I'd like to talk to you about is how you started with horses. You know, we normally talk about that. Then we started about how you would start as a jockey, and I'm sure that's been well recorded if people want to know that. But what I'd like to talk to you about is what you took from show horses across to being a jockey. You know, like you didn't start off because some jockeys start off with no experience. They just might be light or have little feet or not be very tall and they'll Mm -hmm. start off in stables and and take quite a while to get their first win. But to get from from when you first started your apprenticeship, it was only like your eighth ride. So that, that itself was good. How long did it take you to start your apprenticeship to start actual race riding? 
It took uh, for me probably uh, about 12 months. It's a long mm-hmm. process when you go through the years of getting your apprenticeship. Sure. Uh, Racing Victoria makes sure that you're the right weight um, and all that sort of stuff. So you have to go in and have a bit of an interview and they talk to you and then they decide they give you a license. Then you go to a jockey school, would you believe? Yes, mm-hmm. there's a jockey school. Um, we go to apprentice school and you learn the arts of uh, reading forms, speed charts. Um, back in the day when I was apprentice, there was also the opportunity where we got to ride on schoolmaster horses and have a little bit of go about basic riding. But the beauty about me was because of my junior level riding, I didn't need to do my first year of apprenticeship at school because I was such a good junior rider. I already knew what the instructors were teaching. So I mm-hmm. got stood down for 12 months from the basic riding side side of the apprenticeship, which was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, once I got out and got into the business side of things where I started racing, you learn your lessons very quickly. It's very competitive out there um, and it's a hard task and, my first winner was a memorable one because I took a gap. It was at Kilmore Races and I rode a horse called Highway Legend. And I took a gap where, if, as a senior rider nowadays, I would never go in what the, the run that I took. But back in those days, I was fearless. I had no fear of falls. I had no fear of anything. So I took this run and uh, won the race. And that's pretty much what's standing on the board as, a, as an up-and-coming jockey is majority of trainers and, and owners that were watching that race were, oh my God, this girl's crazy. Like, <laughs> how did she take a gap like that? And that's sort of what spiralled me into it um, in terms of racing. Um, and I had a really good time with my riding career. And I guess what I took out of my showing days into my racing career was um, the discipline that dressage and showing teaches you the ability to be able to work with a horse and work with a horse as one, to know that everything that you train and everything that you do um, can be paired into another discipline. And, and it does have an effect in the racing world because um, sometimes when you ride a horse at track work, um, they can have a tendency to become unbalanced or they favour one rein as opposed to the other rain. And I think that background dressage and showing really helped me to be able to educate horses when I was racing and had a really strong, sturdy pair of hands and a really good set of skill sets in my legs to know what aid to ask for for a horse if I wanted to push it out around my legs, things like that. So mm-hmm. yep. um, that's really instrumental to what I took out of my showing days and my dressage days into a career which was then transformed into racing and I have for 18 years. I'm thinking I'm still going back to the riding the gap, you know, like as a, and I know as a dressage rider you're going out, you're riding individually, but it's still in the warm-up area. You know, you've got to have a good judge of is someone about to do a transition into Canada? How are they going? Are they about to lengthen, shorten? And you're still in a busy warm-up arena in dressage, you still have to ride the gaps. I'm wondering about this, you know, have you taken this? And then showing, of course, you're showing with a lot of other horses, you still need, you can't just go around the outside, you still need to be able to show yourself off to the judge and there's still a little bit of riding the gap riding in a show horse, you know, and, and your warm-ups and everything yeah. else. So so I'm thinking that even then that you may not have recognised that, I don't know, but but the whole riding the gap, I think maybe you were a very good <laughs> yeah. judge of the horse's speed because of the warm-up arenas and the show horse arenas you've been in. 
Well, potentially that might have had something to do with it. I just thought I was crazy, but I didn't actually analyse it like that. So maybe, maybe that really did help me and um, be instrumental in me with my career in terms of, you know, the, really that first 12 months was this was fearless Casey you know Casey had no fear of running gaps it was only until you got older and you got a little bit more wiser and you knew the danger that you were actually putting yourself in that you thought twice about those gaps then thereafter you were like oh hang on a minute maybe I should not take that gap yeah 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 I'm thinking too you know and this is what I'd like to talk about because you you weren't just a show rider you're also a horse you know, or well, your parents were right owners, you know, so you've still got that care of the horse and the sickness and the looking after them and and yeah. you would have had to take some of that, you know, if your horse was a bit off or your horse was not quite right, you would have had that sort of knowledge um, going on to Well, work. I think that that's a res- – yeah, yeah, I think your parents really keep you good grounding there because I didn't get my first horse until I was seven slash going on eight. Okay. And it was one of those things where – it was taught to be a responsibility. If you wanted yes. a horse, you had to have the responsibility of looking after the horse. You um, you know, you're getting to that age that you're starting to get into high school and potentially boys might become a factor or you're not focused or you might want to go out with your friends and go party. So mum and dad thought at the age of eight, really, that I could start to have a hobby and, and do something and uh, horses were just that. And it was a real responsibility. You know, when you come home from school, you had to go out and make sure that your horse was okay. You know, if it was a hot day before you went to school, you had to make sure that the correct rugs were on, that you didn't leave your horse. And there's so many things in the same deal. Like as a little girl, if, if my horse or my pony got sick or I um, didn't think that something was right or the horse was lame in some way, shape or form, mum and dad would say, well, go and get a book and because we had little veterinary books and stuff inside yep. and Yep. Go and read up about what you think that it might be and then mm-hmm. go and put that into play outside. Then mum and dad would come out and they'd, you know, I'd say, well, after reading the book, I think it might be laminitis, founder, for example, and they'd yep. go, oh, well done, you know, have a look at the crest on your pony type of thing. <laughs> you know, and you just, it was a really good learning curve for me. And, I, yeah, I think that for any parent that might be out there that have got a little one that's, really, really keen on horses and, and you think that potentially they need some sort of structure, then maybe that might be the way for you because it really did help me in life. So I, I, as soon as I got my horse, I found my calling. It was just what I wanted to do. I was always joined with a horse. I was part of a horse. So horses and I, and even, oh God, do I dare say it? I'm 37 years old now <laughs> and I'm still every bit attached to the horse. My whole life is a horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other thing is too that, that you know, as a seven or eight-year-old is a new pony and you're looking after it and it seemed like it was almost, I won't say a game, but it was your playtime. This was your passion. This is what you wanted to do. You're not just a new jockey that hasn't got that horse background that's just thinking, oh, I've just got to look after these horses. So, you know, it's it's a job rather than your passion and what you really wanted to do. Yeah, well, I went through pony clubs and did all that. And pony clubs for me was, if I look back through my riding years, pony clubs for me was the best riding days of my life. Mm-hmm. I lived for that one day a month when I went to pony club. Even when I was showing and very successful at it, winning at royal shows and things like that, that still was good. But for me, pony club was my everything. I just, I really lived for my pony club days. I learned there because you 
got taught, you know, your dressage, your jumping, which I didn't know much about. You got to be a lunatic and do games, which, you know, I always was so disciplined with my pony in the showing in the dressage world. I never allowed it to go fast, whereas you'd get to pony club and you'd be like, yes, I can go fast now. So, yes, yes, yes. All right, now I'm thinking about, and this is not um, not necessarily knowledge in education, but the core skills of, you know, personality, um, what you and, and things that you would need as a competitor, like as a show horse or a dressage competitor or any competitor, but also you would need them as a jockey. What do you think core skills would be? I think core skills for me, for the both, that really transpires through both disciplines is to have a really good hand and a really good seat. Um, I think hands and feet are instrumental with horses in any way riding because that's what's you're telling the horse to do. They're your, they're your basic aids. That's your basic transition. Your hands as a jockey more so as a showing rider because your hands as a jockey, you need to make the horse go faster and or slow it down. So your hands are um, a lot harder on a racehorse than what they are on a show horse, but yet you still have to be giving. You still have to understand how much you can give and how much you can take. Mm-hmm. And I think probably that is a really strong core skill that I've, just had naturally of how much you can give and how much you can take on a racehorse and vice versa. Um, and your seat, you just you always need a good seat because your seat gives you the transition to go forward as well. And on a racehorse, <laughs> you want to go forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What sort of person do you need to be? You know, what sort of person as in your personality to be good at both? Resilient. Mm-hmm. That's the best one, resilience. You just have to be able to take the knock and you have to be able to get up again. You need to be really mentally stru- uh, mentally tough. Yep. Um, in, in both disciplines, you know, if you've got a show horse, things go wrong in your preparation, your horse might get sore, or you might have a foot issue, uh, you might grab a splint here or there from hard grounds. But, you know, so you need to be tough and strong that some of the things that you set out for in that discipline might not work out to plan. You have to take sacrifices on some days for the benefit of your horse. And in the racing industry as well, I think that that also comes to part. Resilience is you need to take the knockdowns. Not every trainer and or owner is going to like the way you ride. Not every trainer or owner is going to enjoy your riding style. So you need to be resilient and tough to know that you have to ride the waves of any sport. And in, in racing, there are a lot of waves. There's lots of ups and downs. Did you have to change your style a bit if you rode for a particular trainer, particular owner even, you know, that they, you knew that they preferred one way or the other? Was your style adaptable or was it pretty much, this is the best way I go and this is how I get my wins? I tried to be flexible and adjustable, Mm -hmm. but really the more I tried to change my style, the kind of the worse I got. So I just kind of had to stick with being me. Yep. And being me got me a lot of support. I had some really top owners and trainers and, and utilised me throughout my whole career. Like most jockeys only ride for trainer or an owner for the top space of maybe 12 months, you know, and then they might put a bad ride in here and all there and then get sat after that. But for me, I always had such strong relationships with my trainers and whom I rode for. Um, I think because they did like the way that I understood and talk to them about their horses and how their horses perform. They just had that knack to be able to understand a horse. Um, and that really helped me continue on doing what I'm doing with my owners and trainers and staying strong and staying competitive in doing what I do. 
Okay, okay. And I'm thinking now about your proudest moment, but what I'd like you to do is to compare, think about your proudest moment as far as, you know, show riding and your proudest moment as far as race riding, but compare the two. How do, how are they different? You know, you think about proud and you think about this is great, but, you know, you've had two careers, so how would you compare the two? My proudest moment on a show horse was, would you believe, I went to the races uh, at Werribee Park and I mm-hmm. rode a racehorse who was very slow and my mum had my show horse at Werribee Equestrian Centre there ready and waiting for me to jump on. It was Barristock. Okay. And I jumped off of the racehorse, ran across to Werribee Park where oh, my horse wow. was ready to go, Yep. jumped on my horse, went in one champion rider <laughs> on a horse that had a four-beat canter. So he was the worst riding class horse that you could ever possibly come across because his, his canter was just uneven and rough and horrible. And to be able to, I'd always wanted to win a, a major riding competition. Yep. And yep. to go out and win that after I'd just got off a racehorse on a yes. horse that's not ideally suited for a riding class yep. was, for me, my proudest moment. I'll never forget it. In fact, I can still close my eyes and still remember that moment of me coming out of the ring with my champion sash on and my big medal wow. and, yep. and all yep. the things that go with it. Uh-huh. Um, and race riding, my proudest moment, of course, was uh, getting my very first city winner. There's no feeling like riding your first metropolitan winner in town and knowing that all that work has has come to play and, and just that emotion when you go past the winning post first and mm-hmm. more relief than anything to know that you finally hit your goal. That was my very first goal that I ever set for myself was okay. to was to ride a metropolitan winner. So when I did that, that was my biggest moment in racing. And if you think about the two, you know, just take a moment, think about one, think about the two. Are they equal? Are they different? Are they, you know, one's better in one way, one's better in the other way? How does it feel? No, they're both equal. You, mm-hmm. but you get just as much pleasure out of doing both. It's just, for me, I got enough pleasure out of the two. I never had any difference. So for me, they're, they're equal on every, every level. For somebody else, there might be another, um, another answer, but for me, equal. Okay. Okay. Now, what do you do? You're doing some announcing. You're, um, you've been to Melbourne Royal, Adelaide Royal. You, I think you're going to Canberra Royal. So I do racing media. I specialise in fashions on the field at race mm-hmm. courses now. I enjoy getting dressed up instead of mud thrown in my face on the back <laughs> of a racehorse. Yes. Um, I MC and, and host that now. I do dabble, as you just mentioned, in the royal shows, comparing of major equestrian events. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also now have taken a new leaf, and that is I am a teacher at uh, Melbourne Polytechnic where mm-hmm. we deliver Certificate 2 and Certificate 3 in racing. And for me, I'm now starting to see the pleasure from another side of life, which is I now see that pleasure that I had as a junior rider watching students, whether they be young students or adult students, come through and work with horses like what it was for me when I very first started. So I'm really enjoying um, being a teacher Mm -hmm. and being able to implement my racing skills now into other people that want to start a career in the racing industry. And it's, and I just, I just love everything about it. I, I, I found, I find it a challenge because it's hard because not everybody can work with race horses or, and or ride them. But, that challenge when it comes to the end of the year when those students have a big smile on their faces when they've actually achieved something brings me back to those days when I was a young rider and I was achieving and hitting all my goals. It just It reminds me of that. Okay, okay. 
what I'm thinking of is we talked before about taking skills from showing to racing. Now that you've been doing the racing and you're still watching people with show horses, what's a training tip you would bring, you know, picking up something, things that you've learned in racing, What's what tips would you say or a training tip, something that you might say to show riders that would help them improve their riding and their skills? It's something that you see commonly. Oh, tricky question. Good question. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm sure, you know, you being up there in the announcer's box, you know, and I've sort of been there, done that, but up there in the announcer's box, you're watching horses going round, and I'm sure you'd have conversations like, wow, they're doing that. You know, oh, there's another rider. They're doing that too. I love watching riders really working with their horses. I love watching horses and riders be a team. I like to have a horse and rider be in sync and to, mm-hmm. and to, you know, when you get out there and you're on your horse and you're just in that moment of you and your horse, they're an absolute pair and, and there's nothing that can stop you. For me, I, I really, really love that. I love yep. the flexibility that a horse gives you. I love the trainability. And I think for any rider, I think that you always need to have a flexible horse, whether it be in dressage, showing and or racing. A lot mm-hmm. of racing horses now, some days now, a lot of the trainers are starting to bring their horses through um, pre-training with more dressage education, if you can yes. say that, because yep. it's so instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um, I think flexibility and trainability and, and working in sync with your horse and having your horse understand its balance at a walk, trot, and especially a canter, um, for me, that's, that's probably my biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good tip then for people who are showing and doing dressage, and I think great tip from from you, Casey. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now, have a look, horsechats.com. Casey, if you're summing up your philosophy just about horses, training, you know, everything else in general, what would you say today? Enjoy it. I would just say enjoy every moment that you have with your horses. They Mm -hmm. give everybody so much pleasure. And as a jockey, as a junior rider, when when my my really good horse, I lost him, unfortunately, and I never had another horse. And I had probably the last 15 years of my life without um, having a horse that I could go home to, love and enjoy. Um, that to me was a part that I really missed. I missed the ability to be able to go outside, talk to my horse, unload on my horse all of life's problems and cuddles mm-hmm. and kisses and <laughs> yes. and those sorts of things. So my philosophy is if you have a horse in the paddock, um, love and enjoy every moment that you have with them because when you're a horsey person like me, even though I worked with them every day, there's nothing like having your friend out in the paddock that at any moment of any time and any day you can walk out there Tell them that you love them, give them a cuddle and a pat and see that real love back and have that horse do for you when, when you've got a saddle on or you've got a bridle on, everything that you ask it because, you know, they think that that's making you happy and, mm-hmm. and they do. Mm-hmm. So that that's for me the biggest thing. Enjoy every moment that you get to spend with your horse. Okay. Okay. I think that very well said there, Casey. I think a lot of people are just going to agree with you 100% there. Now, Casey, if people would like to contact you, your details will be on horsechats.com slash Casey Bruce or just go to horsechats.com, search for Casey or search for Bruce. But if they're listening right now, ready to go, what are your contact details? 
So my contact details can always be found. I'm happy to give out my number. It's 0409-237-173. But I'm also available for email, which is just my name. It's casey.bruce at bigpond.com. But on the other hand, I've got social media pages everywhere. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook. So anyone that's out there can drop me a note, say hi, um, especially, well, in coming weeks, it'd be really good to, as you know, which we won't make mention of, but in coming weeks, I'm sure that uh, hopefully social media pages will, uh, a lot of people would like to start to follow me in the coming weeks. Perfect. All right. Well, I know Casey's got something up his sleeve there and we can't talk about it at the moment, but uh, if it all comes off, Casey, we'd love to have you back and um, be able to follow that and, uh, <laughs> yeah, just do a bit of a follow-up. So without giving anything away, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Sounds like a plan. Talk to you soon, Casey. Bye-bye. Thank you for your time. See you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.